Anthony Rogers has no previous political experience. Rogers, a comedian, is well known for a podcast called The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey man, this is Tommy Chong, and right now you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey all you cool cats and kittens, it's Carol Baskin, and you are listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Hey y'all, this is Kevin from Candlebox, you are listening to the funny man, Anthony Rogers. Hey, my name is Alex Sulkin, writer of Ted and Family Guy, and you're listening to The Anthony Rogers Show. Lucky you. Luxurious Bastard Beard Co. is the best in beard care products. Grow a beard, be a man, and use Luxurious Bastard Beard Co. Use promo code LEGENDARY to get a discount. And get your Christmas shopping done early. Luxurious Bastard Beard Co. Link in description. Hemper offers a premium monthly smoking subscription box for all of your smoking essentials. Avoid trips to head shops and gain access to limited edition bongs and smoking goodies. Discover limited edition glass and innovative accessories. 3 million boxes shipped. Get this month's box $39.99 for over $100 in smoking gear. Welcome back to everybody's favorite show. My name is Anthony Rogers. I'm your favorite comedian. Today we have a huge episode, cool premise, a cool guy, uh, Jeff Harmon, uh, astrologer. How you doing, brother? Doing all right. Awesome, man. Like I, like I said, uh, behind the scenes, thank you for going backwards in your career and being here tonight. Uh, you have a, <laughs> you're a legend, man. It seems like, man, you got a lot going and like you've done a lot of stuff. It's really cool, man. Yeah. Um. Before we bring up the actual subject topic and stuff like that, I do want to talk about, so you have a file cabinet from George Carlin? Yeah, I actually got three of them from George Carlin. <clears throat> it's a funny story. I think it was in like 1993, something like that. I was working with Greg Morris um, on a film um, pilot that we were doing, and we were shopping it to the studios. And I went into the studio, and we were playing the soundtrack, and I didn't like the sound of it. And the studio manager said, wow, he says, you know, this is, this is, this is great. He says, you, you do studio mods. Cause I also did a lot of electronic stuff. That's how I came out to late seventies, early eighties, how I came out to Los Angeles. And long story short, um, he says, well, we'd love you to do some mods. Let me go get the owner. So the owner was George Carlin's daughter, Kelly and George. <clears throat> and that's how I met George. And, um, this was again early 90s and then uh after i got to know george i really liked him and uh did a lot of stuff with him and then uh actually got to record him once in the studio it was amazing and I, I designed a microphone for him it was actually a very customized microphone that had silver and polystyrenes a lot of people don't know this but when you listen to elvis and the beatles and the led zeppelin and the rolling stones these guys were running equipment that was like you know dragsters they would just hop the crap out of all this audio equipment and that's what i used to do and i love that stuff where we would take and put silver in all the you know connectors and circuit boards and that's why the stuff sounded so good so that's what i did for george and uh and uh once i did a custom mic for him he wanted to come in and record on it and um it was a 
a great story. So um, he came in and turned his baseball hat backwards, and uh, he said, let's do a sound check. So he ran through a bunch of stuff, and being George Carlin, I figured, well, I'm just going to take this, right? <clears throat> and good thing I did because he looked up at me, and he said, uh, did you get that? I said, yeah. He said, were the levels good? I said, yeah. He said, good. Give me the tape. I got to get the hell out of here. It's got a plane to catch. So, poof, that was it. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that was one story. And then the other one was the filing cabinets. He he said to me, I don't know, was it like a year, a couple of years later? He says, hey, you need any filing cabinets? He says, oh, yeah, I can always use filing cabinets. Yeah. So he said, good, get them out of here because I'm getting new ones. I said, so I, I got them out of there. And then I get them back to my office in Beverly Hills. And I find this Pendaflex folder full of all this money. I, there, I don't know. There might have been 10 grand in there, you know, something like that. So me being the guy that I am, I went back to his office and I says, hey, is George still in town? Yeah, oh, yeah. He's in the office going there. So I went in there, handed him the folder. And I said, George, you left all this money in the filing cabs. He swipes it out of his out of my hands. He goes, where in the hell did you grow up? Because <laughs> I was supposed to steal it. You know? <laughs> so he hands me a hundred bucks for being uncommonly honest. And I never thought of anything about all this until he died in 2008. And, um, and I thought, wow, I got a piece of history here. And I still have the labels on the, on the drawers that says George Carlin uh, stationary. So it's, it's, you know, for what it's worth, that's, that's kind of cool. I keep all my clients in a cabinet by George Carlin. Finally, chemist by uh, George Carlin. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I noticed that after, after I reached out to you, that was, that was a really cool thing, man. I like, yeah. Uh, you, you probably said like three books in like a couple of sentences, man. And I like how your, like your vocabulary and, uh, and how you speak is very interesting, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was cool, man. So, but on, I confused myself, trust me. Do what? <laughs> I confused myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you were super on point. That was a lot of very direct information. That was pretty interesting. Um, but okay. So the main, the main reason I hit you up though is like, um, so what is, what, what, what do you think of like a generalization more or less like, what is your opinion on possessions? Like uh, being possessed, I guess. Like, what do you like? Like for your your exact like kind of like opinion on that to start. Well, I mean that's a huge subject, but absolutely, I'll tell you my very first experience with the paranormal was when I was a little kid. I was sleeping, and this is because way back in the sixties, you know, I'm I'm sleeping away, and uh, I had this dream. I had this little guinea pig, a, a few guinea pigs in a little uh, cage. And I slept on the third floor of our house. And I woke up seeing my little guinea pig lying on its side in a certain exact way. And I ran down the stairs being a little kid that I was. I was probably six, you know, seven, something like that. I don't know. And um, there was the guinea pig laying exactly like I had dreamt. And I told my mom about this. And my mom was really a cool lady. She's the one who turned me on to astrology years later. And um, she says, Jeffrey, you, you astral traveled, right? So, you know, we gave the little guinea pig a nice ceremony, you know, buried him and everything else. But after that, I'd always, that always stuck with me. And um, I, I actually grew up next to a funeral home and I always had eerie, weird stuff, you know, happen. There's a lot of disincarnate souls around that. And when you talk about possession, there's many levels of possession. We could start with the Hollywood version, which is, you know, demonic spirits, right? Possessed by the devil or some demon or et cetera, which is also very, very real. But then we get into levels of elemental possession, which could be elementals that have formed through either societal elementals or people who emit elementals that are very strong and they grow on the astral plane through almost like vampiric, etheric energy. 
And then you have probably one of the most common one, and that is disincarnate souls, which we call dead people, right? We all think, you know, everybody just dies. You go to the funeral, give them a ceremony. There's an old saying, the funerals are for the living because the dead is already moved on. And that's, you know, a, a whole area that is really fascinating. You know, I was really blessed at a pretty young age. I had a recording studio and um, it was in the seventies. And I also did a lot of acoustical and design and electronic work. And I um, started getting hired by a lot of religious organizations to do radio shows. And then I had this huge organization out of Chicago hire me to do all these retreats. Well, what did I find out? That th this was the theologians, some of the top theologians in the world from Rome and England and all that. I was recording them. And I got to sit there and listen to all this stuff. And it was all about, you know, different opinions of the church, you know, on possession and so on and so forth. And it always intrigued me. So in the early 80s, I started really delving into this stuff. And then, you know, I was heavily into astrology at that point. And I can thank my mother for that because my mother uh, essentially got me into astrology in the mid 70s, which was BC before computers. And um, how it started was she was pegging my girlfriends. You know, I'd go out with, you know, I had my license. I was going out with different girls and, and she would peg them to the T. And I'd go, what are you doing? You know, this is not mother's intuition. She said, well, I got their charts. And I said, come on, that stuff doesn't work. You know, I, and I've heard, you know, the, the doctor in the delivery room has more gravity, of course, than Saturn, right? I heard all those stories. And she, she looked at me, she says, you know, before you knock it, you better give it a shot. And I did. And that's when I sat down with her and she was drawing out charts on the table, you know, because BC before computers, so you had to do it by hand, ephemeris and all that. And then it really intrigued me at just how accurate the cycles were. Well, then, you know, we thought we were cool in about 1978 because the Commodore 64 has come out. Remember those? And then the 128. And um, so we started getting into computerized astrology, which was very rudimentary, uh, rudimentary back then. And then in the early 80s, a lot of stuff started coming out. I, I was working with some really cool astrologers, Robert Hand. I don't know if you, anybody's ever heard of him, but he's a very well-known astrologer. Rob's pretty on in years now. He's in his 80s. But he was kind of... He and a few others were the founding, what I would say, the founding fathers of astrological computing, which now everybody does, you know, astrology on computers. And what was so fascinating about that whole world I was getting into was it also got me into the paranormal. And that's another thing. I had a lot of strange stuff happen when I was a child. I could psychically intuit things and feel things. And I think most people can. And I started really you know, realizing that, wow, there's a whole bunch more here going on than what they tell us in school, right? And um, they don't tell you much in school other than programming. So um, what happened was I, I went on this journey and then I've had the blessings of really some wonderful teachers. I've had some horrible teachers too, but uh, some really good ones who we started getting not just into astrology, but the whole Egyptian Chaldean and most importantly, the medieval stuff and some of the secret societies and the Vedantic stuff. And many people may have heard of Vedic astrology, which is kind of a pop term. Vedic astrology really is something called Jyotisha. 
In fact, a friend of mine who just passed away, Chakrapani, many people may have heard of him. He was a very famous astrologer from India who lived in Santa Monica, California. And he's kind of the guy who might have coined that phrase. In the 60s, he said, you know, Americans are never going to figure out what Jyotisha means. So we'll call it Vedic astrology. And it really stuck. And I think he might be the guy who coined it. I could be wrong, but that's what I've always heard. And uh, long story short, Vedic astrology or Jyotisha, which actually means the science of the light of the soul. Now you open up into a whole nother realm of astrology connected to the soul, paranormal, ghosts, possessions, and all this stuff. So do I think possession is real? I know it's real. I think we're all possessed with what we believe, which is the thought form elementals that we are born with, plus what we create in our lower conscious mind. But we're also, I think the planets in astrology are portals that literally transmit soul force energy that is unique to each one of us. And that's where the ancient astrologers were far superior than the modern stuff because they would use astrology and I use it as well to check to see if it's a house is, is it possessed is a is a person possessed you can even get pretty strong indicators as to what they might be possessed with is it an evil spirit or is it maybe a disincarnate soul you know the the ancient Hebrews really had this stuff down they would call them classifications. They would call them ebures, which is kind of a soul that would join with someone. Then they would call them uh, a, a mazik, which is a part evil, errant soul. They also had other types of souls that were actually blended with evil spirits. And this kind of gets into the stuff that we see today going on. I mean, I don't think we need a brick to fall on our heads to know that some of the stuff that's going on right now, in not only this country, but around this world, has a lot of demonic counterparts to it. And there's a lot of lore. I mean, you know, I, David Icke and I talked about this years ago, where uh, essentially, is, is some of these people, are they truly demonic? Yeah, I think they are. And I think it not only goes to a DNA level, but it also goes into a level that is exceedingly deep to where if you play around with enough stuff, you become like a resonant magnet and kink things just stick to you. This is why what you believe and what you attract and the law of attraction is so true. And this is why, you know, many of the great mystics in the mystery schools taught the purification of the soul and the rectification of the soul so that they can open up and actually be clean to do clearings and depossessions. So it's a very deep topic, but do I believe in it? The answer is yes. Definitely. Sorry to be so long winded. No, I love it. That's why, that's why I invited you on here, man. You're very interesting. Um, so, okay. Can you, can you project, can you actually project to the touch? One of the things you said? Oh, I think anybody can. I are think we do. It. I mean, are you good at it personally? Yeah, I mean, I I don't like to boast, but yeah, I think I I can actually project effectively. How do you I mean, do it? Yeah, just for a guy like me that has no idea how to do that, like that sounds awesome. Well, I think I think all of us do it every night when we dream. We just we don't, don't know it. Don't remember. And yeah. yeah, we you know, there's there's something. There's a, a text that I love to refer to. It's um, if I could, can I share the screen? Oh, uh, I don't know. I think I can. 
Try it if you can. Uh, yeah, if, you, if you have access to it, feel free. I'm not sure. How yeah, I think I've done this on StreamYard many times before. Um, let me just see here once. What does this here do? Add. Share screen. Look at that. How about that? Here's so, the um, look at here. Select the window. We're going to do the entire screen. And bing bong. Look at that. We are going. That was George's favorite thing. Bing bong. It's five minutes past the big hour. And where were you when this song was number one? I always like that. But um, so, yeah. Um, see, this is an astrological chart right here. Can, can you guys see the screen? Yes, sir. Okay, good. One of the things that I love to show, this is one of my favorite diagrams of the four worlds of creation. And whatever your belief in God, higher power, Jesus, Buddha, whatever it is, unless you're an atheist, you believe in some type of higher power, right? And that's fairly safe to say. And so up here where my cursor is, call it what you will, call it God or divinity. They actually say our souls are created right here. There's no astrology up here at all. This is very divine stuff. And it's an Aramaic Hebrew word called absolute, which means the divine emanation of souls. And you can see over here, this is the hierarchies of angels called the seraphims, the cherubims, and the thrones. This is very divine stuff. There ain't no astrology up here. There's no Pisces, no Aries, all this stuff. This is really divine. And they say there's 49 dimensions and 49 subdimensions in this world up here. The next, which is really vast, way past my comprehension, the next world's down broad is where the waters of creation and many spiritual worlds are believed to exist. Again, there's no astrology yet. And they say there's 49 dimensions and 49 subdimensions in these worlds. The next worlds down, if anybody listening is familiar with the text, and many people are, it's called the Sefer Yetzirah. That's a strange text. That Sefer means book, Yetzirah means formation. And this is one of the centerpiece texts in hermetic philosophies, Kabbalistic philosophies. Many secret societies know about this text, where time and space and molecular structure starts to come into play, meaning the physical worlds. This is where the rotating galaxies are believed to start. All the amino acids, the gas clouds, the black holes, all the stuff that everybody talks about. This is hundreds of dimensions beneath where your soul is believed to be created, or for that matter, all souls. And they claim, and this is a mind bender here, there could be 49 parallel universes and 49 sub-dimensions within that. If you take people, a lot of people talk about Einstein. I think Tesla left us some of the most interesting stuff when he talked about the Pegasus projects. projects. I, I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's time travel and all this stuff where they're saying that there are multiple dimensions stacked right on top of this one. And that's in what we call the Yetzirahic worlds. This is where time, space, and dimension begins. Then you got the last worlds, which is called the Seah. These are known as the astral planes. And the astral planes are just that. They're the astral plane. They claim there are 49 dimensions and 49 subdimensions here. And notice you know, usually we get a guy with a suit, tie, and a microphone telling us about the devil, but it's just a little bit different. These are the four cast down hierarchical spirits, which, you know, isn't just the devil. It's Lucifer, Satan, Belial, and Leviathan. 
And beneath that, you've got eight. And beneath that, they say there are legions upon legions upon legions underneath all this. And every culture throughout history, the Chaldeans, the Egyptians, the Vedantic, all talk about some story that there was a war in heaven and these spirits or gods or deities got cast down and incarcerated. Of course, the Western world has the Garden of Eden story, right? Where, you know, Eve, you know, took a bit out of the apple and then, you know, God got ticked off and said, that's it. Your guys are going down and you're getting bodies. So, and the evil spirits were believed to be incarcerated. There may be a lot more truth to that story than we know, because clearly the Vedantic and the Chaldean and the Egyptians all make reference to this earth has, so we hear it in the Egyptian lore, Toth created the physical world. He built the prison of earth for souls to come and reincarnate. So there's many versions of this, and I'm not claiming I'm sitting here telling you the way it is because nobody knows the way it is, including me. But I think this is a really good model to just talk about something this vast and incredibly complex, which is beyond, I think, anyone's human comprehension. But this gives us a model to wrap our brains around. So then here we are in these meat suits called bodies, and they actually say a guardian angel ties the spirit, psyche, and soul to the embryo, a conception, not at birth, a conception. And the Egyptians knew this too. So there's a magic that happens where spirit now gets tied to physicality. And the period of gestation, which for most women is about nine months, right? Animals do, they have a certain gestation period. That's when that spirit is really being imbued into that physical being. And when it exits the womb, of the mother or whatever being it is, <clears throat> that's when spirit, psyche, and soul is permanently tied to the body at the astrological matrix of the heavens called astrology. Now, astrologers run around and tell you, oh, you're a Pisces, you're an Aries. That's a bunch of crap because you could take all the Pisces and all the Aries and all the Geminis or whatever other sun sign they want to call you and line them up side by side and there ain't a single one of them the same. <clears throat> but there are traits that are similar. We're dealing with a multidimensional switch of spirit manifesting into physical realms. This is really deep stuff. And again, this is not my innovation. I'm just here telling you what many of these ancient documents, I believe, say. And I, I built this model to show that. And this is not, not my, you know, this is something I, I, I've actually extracted out of many ancient documents. So here we are, spirit manifest. Well, when we exit the physical body known as death, and I guarantee you every one of us will, the religions have done very little to teach us about what happens after that. You're all sinners and you're all going to hell. It just doesn't cut it, does it? I remember I remember coming down, like you said, like, like uh, a couple of things back you said, I remember, I remember picking this life almost like, like from what, from what you're explaining. I'll bet you're right. And I think if we all could remember, and you know, what's really cool. There's actually a mark. We all have it. It's in between the upper lip and the nose. They say that's the mark to make us forget. Now, no one really knows if that mark is made in the womb 
or starts forming in the womb, which it might, or is it made right at birth? Um, it's kind of hard to check because you really can't see a baby other than ultrasound prior to that. But the bottom line is, I didn't know if this legend was true. And my son was born. I had the blessing of being in the delivery room and I did not expect this. And uh, my wife had to go C-section and of course she's shaking. And I was able to see around the tent when they cut her open. And it's you know a little bit graphic. You got a lot of fluids and blood and out he came, right? Dripping down, just like, you know, Neo in the matrix. And they, cut his umbilical cord. And right when he cried, I saw two illuminations come into the room and join him. And I know what I saw. And moreover, I know what I felt. It was magical. Oh, you know, I believe, I, I believe it, I coming into the body. I remember, I remember being born on Mars. Like, like, I, I, I remember, like, I have a lot of amnesia from, from a lot of, like a lot of stuff, but you, you hit on a lot of things that I felt and saw like this being a soul prison. It feels like a soul prison for sure. And yeah, and I think I, I like I remember like basically being in like uh, like a sphere and like being there for like ever and like and like like waiting to be born and then I was and then they brought me to like this thing and then they're like okay I had like maybe five choices or something of this avatar world like that's kind of like, what do you think of, wow. what are your thoughts on that I've never really had an explanation no I I think. You know, I, I got to tell you, I've had clients tell me, I remember being born. I didn't want to come here. I, I know I was very sad because I knew I was going to be born into a very challenging situation. And this is, see, you can see here on the screen, this is the premise behind, quote unquote, Vedic astrology. Its real name is called Jyotisha, which is a, no one really knows, but it might be a Sanskrit or Tamil word derived, which means the science of name. the light of the soul. It's probably yeah. somebody's name. Probably what? Like somebody's name. Like you have like uh, like in parallel dimensions, you have like Einstein Rosenbridge. It's probably somebody's uh, name. Like Jotisha sounds, it looks like somebody's name or however you said that. Like this, it, it, like it could be. It could be. A yes. lot of these old yes. languages were actually cryptic. They actually had cryptology within them. Mm -hmm. um, they were fanatic sounds that had numerology that expanded into many meanings. And in fact, we find this in the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Coptic. Um, there's codes that are in a lot of the words. In fact, what's interesting is many of your ancient Nadi astrologers, see, uh, there's what they call Nadi Jyotish, there's Parashara Jyotish, Jaimini Jyotish, and those are named after people. Uh, Maharishi Parashara or Parashara was one, Maharishi Jaimini is another. These are just three of the major branches. There's many. And you can see here this white etheric energy. This is the stuff science is never yeah going to be able to put on a, on a scale and figure it out because this is the magic of consciousness spirit soul and psyche love that and, image man that's a great image and that, that comes out that's not mine that that came out of the bhagavad gita actually that's great and there and are so many there's like a slide there's like a soul slide here like, do, you, do you remember this do you remember being born do you remember anything before birth I don't. I, I can't really go there. I do get fragments that I was in a castle on the last birth um, and I had something to do. I also might have been around in the 1800s, too. Um, it's just the, tells you. Like, like you can't really explain, but you just like you feel it, right? That's right. And, and, you know, let me introduce something that's really cool. This is one of my favorite two diagrams. This diagram right here is really cool because if you look this big thick dash line 
is kind of the division between what modern psychology and psychiatry might call the so-called conscious mind below. And of course, you can see the physical body. And just above this, this is what we might call the so-called subconscious mind. But a much, much better metaphor might be, this is the present personality. Well, it's interesting. There was an old rabbi who was born not that long ago, in the 1300s or 1400s, I think it was. <clears throat> His name was the Ari. He was referred to as the lion. That's what Ari means in the Aramaic and Hebrew. And he was born blind, couldn't see anything. But you know what he could see? He could see inside your soul. <clears throat> and he's the guy who taught. He didn't live very long either. I think he died in like his 30s. And he wrote, well, he didn't write it, but his disciple wrote this book. This is the book I was just mentioning called the Shar'ar Hagilgam. And <clears throat> what's so fascinating about this book is it gets into who we are and what we're really doing here. And I think it also places astrology in the proper perspective. And there's a lot about possession in this book too, where you got to get into the different lower portions. See, we call one of the reasons mind control works so well. And of course the boys and the governments and all that have figured that stuff out a long time ago. This is why they always attack the youth. It's like George Carlin said, you know, it's a big club and we ain't in it. It's the one they beat us over the head with all day long telling us what to believe. And see, the lower conscious mind is really the present personality. It's not us. See, it, it's called the nefesh in Hebrew, which, you know, it's a fancy word that just simply means the lower vehicle that's interfacing. I like to call it the keyboard, the mouse, and the screen, or if you like a better analogy, the steering wheel, the gas pedal, and the brakes. It's the interface between these miraculous bodies that we're all in and the conscious intention of the mind. It's, it's the connector, and but it's not us. It's a vehicle that started when we were conceived in the womb, and it's an interface to this physical world. And this is what seems to exist after we exit the body known as death until it integrates into what they call the Ruach, which is, it's a strange word that just means the spirit. That's what tends to keep reincarnating. Take a look at what's just above this big, thick dash line, Saturn. Notice the glyph of Saturn. It's the cross over the crescent of the moon, previously concretized energies that now become manifest in this physical world. See, all the glyphs of the planets are very ancient. They're not just, you know, airy-fairy stuff. The sun is the seed. It's the portal to the upper dimensions. The moon is the crucible, which also matches the womb, and the cross is where spirit manifests. You know, take a look at this. This diagram is very indicative. If you look at here, you can see, look at Dad puts the seed in mom's womb. Farmer puts the seed in the ground. So the, see the, the sun is where time, space, and dimension begins. And then you could say the moon is the crucible where spirit is contained and attached to the physical elements and the building blocks. And when we exit the womb or the plant comes out of the ground or the little animal comes out of the womb, it is now manifest in the physical plane. And this is very deep stuff. And it does appear that, you know, 
nothing that's born ever exists for very long. Everything is born, it grows, it matures, it peaks, it atrophies, and it dies. I don't care what it is. Everything goes through that cycle. And they actually say the evil spirits are incarcerated, not just in some bottle in the bottom of the earth. They're actually incarcerated into the very molecular structures of this universe itself, which is pretty deep stuff. And that's why they're so pissed off and they hate the human race and why they're so evil. They are literally forced by the upper angelic forces and God, if you will, to be incarcerated into the whole molecular structures of reality. And this is deep stuff because you think about it, every atom has positive and negative charges. It either has a proton or electron. And of course, now the physicist, oh, it's got neutrinos and this, and it reacts to consciousness. Well, they're all right. So this is really a magical place where spirit manifests. And I don't think there's just earth. I think there are God only knows there could be infinite dimensions and infinite places where we could manifest within these universes. This is really deep stuff, but Earth is certainly one of them. Well, that's where Vedic astrology truly shines because I love it because when I, uh, there was an old guy I studied with. He used to do astrology for the bankers in England. Those are the guys who really own this place, by the way. Everyone thinks, oh, it's the Federal Reserve and the, and, the, and the politicians in D.C., also known as the District of Criminals. I say, no, 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 no. The people who own this place are the ones who took it over when Woodrow Wilson gave it to them. And that was right in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act. They own this place. All the politicians will dance to what they want because they own it. And what's interesting this guy used to do electional astrology. See, electional astrology is picking an auspicious time to clear a building, to sign a contract, or to, like, here's George Washington. He actually set the foundations of the Capitol. You can see that's a block and tackle right there. You can see the pulley. It's a little hard to see. And he's lowering the, the cornerstone, that was a big deal. They, they paid a lot of attention to when they started buildings. They would lay the cornerstone of the foundation, and that was considered to be the energy that was placed at the time the Capitol was built. And if anybody knows anything about the United States, particularly D.C., which was originally the District of Columbia, I now call it the District of Criminals, but it was laid out in a very very sacred geometrical uh, plan by a French architect. There's a lot of esoteric symbolism in Washington. Look at the Pentagon, pentagram. See, and then you've got all these buildings all end up at certain places. So Washington, D.C. is very, very uh, esoteric in terms of the way it is, is laid out. And of course, you could see that's George Washington with his apron on. And he actually did that at a good astrological time. Well, back to the guy I was talking about that I studied with, he would look with Vedic and Nadi astrology, and he would basically say, well, he said, you know, this person, they'll get... Um, you know, married here, they'll do this here, they will or won't take an education, and they'll die right about here. And I say, how did you do that? 
And he would also tell me about how their father would be and their mother would be. And I said, how did you do that? He says, you got to forget modern astrology. He says, you have to realize the solar system is a matrix of the soul. And it truly is. He said, the sun is indicative of the father. The moon is the mother. See, the brother will be Mercury or Mars. You see, your work will be Saturn, your karma, your dharma and your purpose. Your blessings will be Jupiter and Venus will be your wife if you're a man. And if you're a woman, Mars will be your husband. And it's so accurate. It's creepy. Um, and you look at the cycles in Nadi and Vedic astrology and you can pretty much map out the ebbs and flow of life. So something's going on here way past, you know, Pisces loves Aries. And the older stuff was stunning. It, it really was. The Egyptians, too. They, they knew a lot about astrology. Most of the astrology we have in the West came up out of Hellenistic, Egyptian, and Chaldean astrology. Very old stuff. And some of it was stunningly accurate. Um, absolutely amazing. And uh, back to souls and possessions and all the stuff we were talking about, so astrology is just the matrix of time and when we're in these meat suits called bodies. But when we exit them, then what happens? Well, isn't that an interesting story? Our religions didn't you know, prepare us too much for that. And that is where the soul seems to go to an astrological court where it, it actually will be forced to reincarnate multiple times or if the purity of the soul has cleansed off all what they call the intermixing of the clip-offs called evil spirits. We will travel on to other places. And some stay on as ascended masters to help many other souls passing through. This is really deep stuff. There's actually something called the procession of the equinoxes. And many people will know that there's tropical astrology, which is based on the equinoxes and solstices. And then there's sidereal astrology, which, you know, a lot of people are running around now saying, well, the tropical isn't accurate, only the sidereal is. And they're right about that in terms of where the astrology is. But the tropical is also accurate. It's the outer denser layer of the interaction to the physical plane. So they're both accurate. And then many people have heard of that 13th sign called Orphica, which could potentially be in the center. There may be something to that where we cross the galactic center and we restart. See, our solar system is believed to go around this central sun about every 25,000. I've heard 750 years. Other people say it's 920. It's somewhere around there. No one really knows. I certainly don't. I've heard a lot of calculations. And most people say, well, it's in a sign about 2,100 years, 2,200 years, something like that. But it's, and it may not be linear. But one thing's for, and even if you're a flat earther, this thing still. This model seems to be playing, whether you know you believe in you know that that whole thing too. So nonetheless, the celestial matrix seems to be there, and um, this is deep stuff. And we seem to have souls cleansing or washing through what I call the soul cauldron called Earth, do, through different epochs. There, there's like trillions of souls being cleansed through this lower dimension. And passing through and also getting experience too. You know, I mean, you think about life, it's really deep. You know, we all can look back and say, well, okay, I had a shitstorm here and there, but yet we also had great experiences. 
I mean, life itself is so dynamic. It's, it's such a, such a journey. It's really cool. You know? Definitely. And you cover a lot of good stuff, man. Like I, that was, that was awesome. And like, uh, I think your camera, someone's up with your camera though. What, uh, yeah. Hang on. What I'm going to do no, is, uh, Oh, I see what's going on. Yeah. I was, I, was I sharing that time? Yeah, no, I saw your, your screen the whole time, but, uh, but yeah, no. So that's, that's a lot of, I mean, that's a lot of powerful stuff. And like it, a lot of what you said, I kind of, I kind of like either remember or kind of just like, no, no, to be true somehow, you know, I mean, I, I don't have the, the education on any of that, to be honest, but a lot of that sounded like pretty, pretty spot on still. And, and um, I feel like I, like this, this whole thing's crazy. And like, um, yeah, I think I think I, I think people definitely come here a lot. You know, I think that um, I mean I, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I, I don't think that in any way. I, I think just like the human experience is very limited, and like I don't even understand Christianity really. <laughs> like, I mean, or I don't even understand. You know, as far as like, you know, what I mean, like we don't we're just kind of like grunting. You know, we're not really that. Oh yeah, I mean, even the smartest humans not that smart. I feel like you know. None of us are. See, that's the lower conscious mind. You got to start there. You know, and, yep. and I tell you, you know, like people always say to me, well, geez, you know, you know, so no, I don't. I, the more I get to know, the more humble I get and realize that if, if we look at these models like this and realize we're all really dumbed down, and that diagram that I was showing with the big thick dash line, they actually yeah. say if we could see all the spirits and the elementals and the angels and disincarnate souls around us, we probably would flip our cookies. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's have one of the dangers. Have you ever seen an angel or a demon or anything like that? I have. I, I actually have. Yeah. What have you seen? Um, well, I've had experiences. You know, when I was a teenager, I had this really evil thing. It was, it was a really nasty entity. And it came at me and it grabbed me by the throat. I literally felt taut. And uh, it was really powerful. And I can remember it distinctly. And this silver being came in and drove it away. So I was really it was silver. It, it had a silver, like white light. Yeah, was, yeah so was, white. I've seen that white light. Yeah, okay. I've seen yeah. I've seen something similar to that. That's so, I've never heard it described silver. That's interesting. So yeah, it, silver, it, it reminded silver. me of like a silver sheen, you know, like almost like a shield sheen. It drove it away. Okay. I had another experience about four years ago that was very similar to that. Uh, a friend of mine had a chair shipped in from New York. Okay. And we got the chair and it was put in this room in Beverly Hills. And all of a sudden I got the same thing. I just got, I said, Whoa, I, I immediately was attacked, but this wasn't an evil spirit. It was an evil disincarnate soul. And wow. see, these are what they call mazics. They're really evil. And uh, I, I've actually cleared buildings. I had one place, another place in New York, where all these psychics would go in and they would tell the owner, you know, you got something really possessed in here. So the owner called me up and said, hey, can you clear it? Well, that's astral travel, where I remote cleared it because, you know, I, I couldn't go there. So I, I, what I do is I use astrology to first assess it, and then I that's called interrogation astrology, which some modern people might know it as horrorary. I like the older word, interrogation. You literally cast a chart for the moment. It's not your birth chart. You cast a chart based on the consciousness that you're asking about, whatever your question is. And you can assess it. Um, you can look at the houses in the chart. It'll tell you whatever you're asking about. You look at that house and that ruler. And um, it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. Anyways, 
And then I use electional astrology, which is picking an auspicious time when the energies are good to clear it. And the energies are usually, by all means, you want the moon to be well aspected by trines, sextiles, or conjunctions of benefics. And it gets pretty specific where you want the Lord of the Fourth, which is the home or property, to be separating from a malefic planet and applying to a benefic because it means you're cleansing. So I, I, I like to use astrology. And, and again, many of your ancients did that. That's al alchemy, all this stuff. They would always use astrology uh, to look at when the energies were right. It's pretty profound stuff. And boy, it's accurate, I'll tell you that. Anyways, long story short, um, I, I cleared this place in New York. And I found it was a disincarnate soul who died of an overdose and was really mean and really angry. And I couldn't get him. You know, you hear a lot of people that do clearings. They say, well, I just get him to go into the light. Well, good luck getting some to go into the light because they'll rip your head off psychically. And they will. They're really nasty. So you can literally build a, a psychic, you could almost say, um, containment vessel to put them in and you use sacred geometry and you literally incarcerate them and take them away because they won't they won't leave it's like a I bad a, criminal I, okay you know? this is very like this is it's crazy meeting you and hearing a lot of these things like i didn't expect uh, a lot of the conversation to go this way through like what i've experienced as well like um i had a dream basically like okay my my for context um my mom has been dealing with like illness for like a, for like a, about four years or something some kind of illness and like sure. we haven't like put a name tag on it yet, but I mean, uh, and, and it's getting better regardless. But uh, so I had a dream at her house, like uh, but I wasn't at her house, but I, I my I my body wasn't at least. I mean, I feel like I projected there. I, I go to the front step basically. I pick up like an ID, and I see like some lady, uh, that's not my mom, but look, looking like chubby and healthy in one side of it, and then like sickly and dying on the other side of it. And then like something like came at me all weird or something, like like some kind of like a uh, like orb, which I assume is a former or from former person now a soul or something. It's like orb like came at me and I grabbed it and I shot it like a basketball like out of Earth. And then the sky changed like this like orange color, and that orange oh. color woke me up where I was at. Cool. Like yeah, I mean, see like what, you just what said, you're dude. describing is something we're all capable of doing. Yeah, what is what, what is it exactly? Like you, I felt like you were describing something similar to that. Like, 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 yeah, like that I, that I exactly saw right. No, what you just described is is what all people realize they have the power to do. See, once we turn seven years old, did you ever hear the seven year itch? There's a lot more meaning to that than meets the eye. Every seven years, we go just like the days of the week. Sun is Sunday. That's the first day. Moon is Monday. Mars is Tuesday. Mercury is Wednesday. Jupiter is Thursday. Venus is Friday. And Saturday is Saturday. No, Saturn. So the same thing each year of life as we go through life has that. When you turn about seven years old, this is when a lot of things that the minds starts to close. It, it becomes less intuitive, even though some children are very intuitive from seven to 14, but they're, they're very open in those early years. And society in the world's always telling us, well, come on, grow up, you know, quit, quit, quit imagining things, quit playing, right? All this stuff, get serious. You know? So we're society in the linear left brain is always pushing us to be rational, Get more money, get, get a better job, or more pay, and you go okay, right? They wrote a song about that. And then 
everything becomes the material get. And the older we get, the more concretized the lower conscious mind gets in this reality, which is very dangerous. Now, what you were just explaining is, you know, some people say, well, he's just fantasizing it. No. In fact, one of my favorite mystics, and this is a book I love to tell people about. In fact, everyone should go to my YouTube channel. It's uh, Jeff Harmon Astrologer. And we have some wonderful things on there about the soul and episodes we usually come out every Friday with. And one of the... um, one of the books that I love to mention is a book called The Magus of Strovolos. And that's about a healer who lived in the city of Strovolos on the island of Cyprus. Talk about astral travel. This guy could literally reconstruct the molecular things of a person's bone when they had cancer, or he could take away pain. He could calm the waves. See, this gets into the sacred holy magic that all the saints and the prophets and the great rishis and seers were aware of. And this is control of the fourth hierarchy. I actually mentioned this about a book called The Sacred Magic of Abramelin, or you could say The Book of Abramelin. And it's about an old rabbi, um, Rabbi Maharil, who actually said anyone of any race, of any creed, can have the angel, a guardian angel come to them. If they purify the soul, it's actually an 18-month process, but you do it between the spring equinox and the fall equinox. A lot of people might recognize that what happens in the fall equinox, the first lunation or new moon closest to the fall equinox is what? It's Rosh Hashanah. Okay, and everybody says, oh, I got to become Jewish. No, no, no. He says you don't need to do that. That was ancient knowledge. But the Jewish religion does celebrate that. And the high holidays are all that. That was the seven days when your guardian angel would show up to you if the soul was pure and teach you how to control the evil spirits. That's wow. pretty deep stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and this rabbi said, this is the same magic that Christ and the apostles had. This is the same yeah. holy magic all the great prophets and saints had. Definitely now, do you hear any of the religions teaching this? I don't. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I think evil keeps it out of our hands as much as it can. I think, I think, like, you know, I mean, I think that's like uh, that whole spiritual battle. Like, uh, what, like, what, what, uh, not, I mean, are you, are you religious at all? Like, what, uh, what, did I, well, how would you classify yourself in that? Well, I, I mean, I, I have great respect for all religions, uh, that have truth in them. Um, some religions, I think the best thing that came out of them was the music, <laughs> but, I but, uh, I would say, uh, I, I, I have, I, I don't like getting locked into any one discipline. That's I fair. love yeah. to sweep over the top and see what is dogma and what is reality. And I've studied a lot about religions and I've had the blessings of being exposed to a lot of this stuff. But, you know, I, I find the great truths, you know, like look at look what Rome did. They omitted books like you know, the book of Enoch, they've omitted so many, the Nagamani, they want to hear about all these different ancient texts that actually support it. That's why I encourage people to read the Magus of Strobilos. The reason why that's Christianity, I think done right. I really do. This is where he talks about how all of us have the capability, like the stuff you were doing before. That's it right there. When you believe, see, when you do clearings on a place or people, if you don't believe in what you're doing, you're not going to be effective at all. See, our third eye chakra. What's that? Sorry, go ahead. 
Well, our third eye chakra, which is also right back here is the pineal gland, right? And, you know, all the chemtrails and all the shit they put in our food and all the other crap is constantly dumbing us down, you know? And it is. I love that you know that. No, I love that you know that. <laughs> like, well, like, like 1% of the population knows that. <laughs> like, I, I love that you know the food's poison. No, no, I love that. And the water too, everything, man. Yeah. I mean, they're hitting us from every angle and, and, and they're doing it in multiple ways. And long story short is we emit elementals out of our third eye chakra. You just can't see them because they're not on the physical plane, not on the etheric plane. And these elementals, this was the secrets of the mystery schools was to train the mind to be focused. Again, I tell people, read the Magus of Strovolos. It's, it's a book written by Kyriakos Markides. It's not, he's not the healer or the magus. He's actually a skeptic who grew up in the city of Strovolos. And his priests used to tell him, oh, stay away from this man named the magus of Strovolos. He must have cohorts with the spirits and the devils, or he couldn't do what he does, right? So Markides actually came to the United States, I think in the 60s, grew up and became a professor of sociology. Well, he went on a sabbatical in the late 80s back to his home city the, called Strobolos, hence why the book is called The Magus of Strobolos. And he ran into this guy and witnessed him curing people of completely incurable diseases, depossessing them of disincarnate souls and spirits. And he said, my God, he says, you're for real. Can I write a book about you? And the healer said, he says, you know, for the last several lifetimes, your arrogance has caused so much death and destruction. Yes, you can write the book. And that's why Marchides followed this healer around. And I love the Magus of Strovolos to introduce this man because you vicariously get to see through Marchides' writing what this man did. It was incredible. And it's it's a journey par excellence. I, I tell any Christian, read the Magus of Strovolos because you'll be blown away or anyone of any other denomination too. So it's it's quite interesting. There's only truth. There's only sacred truth. And the religions have taken factions of it and concretized it into dogma. Some of it's okay. Some of it's not, you know, and I'm not here to judge anything, but, you know, I actually do feel some of the best things that come out of religions was the music. <laughs> some of it's quite dogmatic. Some of it's, it's very cult-like. It's funny you say that. I actually, I actually like country gospel too. And that's like one of my favorite genres of music, man. It's funny you say that. So I, I do like gospel music and stuff, but, uh, but no, I think that, uh, no, I definitely think of, I mean, no one knows really. And I think Christ is the bridge to heaven. I do believe that, but I mean, uh, but, and I think that like, I mean, whatever, I, it doesn't really matter who agrees or what, but um, there's, oh, a lot yeah. going on. there's a lot going on here, man. I think there's just, uh, <laughs> I think, I think you covered a lot of this like stuff, man. There's some, the same way to stay on topic. It's beyond human comprehension. I no, mean, and, and the more, you know, the more you realize we don't know. Um, and, and one of the things that's most dangerous to the aura is toxins, chemicals, alcohol, drugs, especially hard drugs and psychedelics. Everybody thinks, oh, it's so cool. I'm going to do psychedelic. You might as well take a flamethrower to your auric field. Your aura. It was, uh, it was a control it was, tactic, but it was a CIA control tactic to get everybody on drugs. So arrest them and then and just like, I mean, ruin an entire generation. No, everybody fell for it, man. It was crazy. That's right. Oh yeah, they they get involved in a lot of interesting stuff, including mind control. And this this is a, a very interesting area because there's a lot of demonic forces that intertwine in places of power. And 
Exactly. They chase it. Yep. And magic is very dangerous because there's a lot of people practicing what they call thurgy or things like the keys of Solomon and the Goetia and Enochian magic. And, you know, I'm not here to say anything about anybody, but I think that's really dangerous stuff because I know a lot of clients who've played with it. Some of them are okay uh, when they do it for healing purposes, then, then it's good. Like Reiki is, a, I think everything we do is divine magic, but when you start playing around with summonsing spirits, that's literally, in my opinion, the highway to hell. And this was really dissuaded against in the ancient sacred ways. And the Magus of Strovelos warns against that too, because this stuff goes on and it really does. You know, of course, that was inferred in the movie Eyes Wide Shut with Stanley Kubrick and, you know, Nicole Kidman and, and uh, Tom Cruise. But um, clearly this stuff goes on in very high places. We hear about the child trafficking. We hear about the sacrificing. Um, this is nothing new. This has been going on for thousands of years. It's, it's temples, exceedingly yeah. demonic. The temples, man. Yeah, no, it's no, I mean, the Clintons are no different than the sacrifices of the temples, man, or like whatever, like whoever we want to say. Uh no, it's crazy, man. Like uh, I definitely agree. Oh, deep stuff, deep stuff, and dangerous stuff. And literally, they actually say the spirits love nothing better than to get someone, the the evil spirits, to come over to their ways because they actually can destroy the soul through that stuff. Yeah, they actually no, can, that's can, what they're fighting for. That's what they're fighting yeah. for. They hate us, man. Like, uh, is there, is there a way? Like, I mean, this may be kind of a like. Obviously, it's a dumb question. I'm I'm very familiar with. I'm, I know it is. But uh, but is there like a way to like uh like how a nuke uh does? Is there a way just to like just bomb good everywhere and get rid of all like like negativity and the evil and like what is there? A, is there like a, a fast way <laughs> like or, or something yeah. like where we have a mass weapon of war just to get rid of all this evil, man? Well, you know, I think creation is that itself. Um, but evil seems to come through free will, and the 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 pulling of the spirits against uh, all of us. You know, it, it's actually very interesting because the earth seems to be a place where free will and ego is rampant. And you know, there's a really interesting book that I love to refer to. It's it's called Minot Yehuda. If, if people go to my, my YouTube channel, you'll find there's a, a, a thing on the soul. And I mentioned a lot of these books. Well, there was a rabbi who lived in the 1800s in Baghdad, which is very fascinating. And he would do things called purifications and unifications on the soul, where he would join the lower consciousness that we call our minds with the spirit and the upper portions of the wisdom of the soul. It was a connection thing that he would do through prayers and certain things. See, this is what they, has been lost. When our fine friends, and I'm speaking about the bearded ones in Rome who used to murder each other between the first and the third centuries, deciding what Christians might get to believe, they omitted so many things. And they, they certainly threw out the doctrines of reincarnation. And what was really important there is there was texts like, for instance, the Vulgate translations, in my opinion, lost all the codes that was originally in the Aramaic, the Hebrew, and the Coptic, and the Greek. There's codes in there. It's the same thing in the Sanskrit. There's ciphers. I could actually show you some of this stuff. It's really wild. Like Exodus. Most people are familiar with the Bible and Exodus, right? So here, let me let me do a... I was talking. I was talking to some Indian guys earlier, like in the, uh, in, the, in the steam room of the gym earlier. I was literally talking about reincarnation with them and how, like... Uh, 
and like how you said it was like left out of a lot of things. I was like, I was, I was like, I feel like I am Christian, but I also believe in like, like a lot of what you just said about the the structure of the souls and like the the, like the journey and stuff. And then like, uh, like, have you, are you familiar with the journey of souls that, that like that book? Yeah. I mean, I've, there's a lot of books like that. You bet. That study rules. I, I love, I love that particular oh, yeah. study. And like, I'd love, the, I'd love to hear more if you have more of those, but like, that was such an interesting study and it kind of summed up a lot of what, what I remember kind of, I mean, it's just like, uh, it was one of the few books that kind of summed it up and I don't think that gets rid of religion or whatever. I think it's just like, is a, it's just a, it supports one, it. Yeah. A, yeah, it does. And it's another layer of just like, uh, yeah, of like yeah. uh, maybe some people that were hypnotized are all saying the same thing. <laughs> like, it's kind of crazy. Well, many of the ancient texts in, uh, you know, Egypt is very cryptographic in terms of uh, a lot of the Egyptian lore. Um, a guy that I had a chance to meet many years ago was Manly P. Hall. He's the one, you may have heard of him. He wrote the book, Secret Teachings of All Ages. In fact, we did a little special on him on my YouTube channel. And fascinating guy. He was a 33-degree Mason. And, of course, the Catholics hate the Masons, right? They're the worst people in the world, right? They're evil. And I always say to that, not that I'm promoting any secret society, including Masonry, but if people want to pick up the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights, um, and take a good close read. I don't think there's too much evil going on there. That is probably one of the most sacred documents that's ever been created in modern history for human humanity. That means anyone, and that's our constitution and our bill of rights. And the Indians, a lot of people don't know that you know the the Iroquois Indians were also involved in contributing to the constitution and the bill of rights. Pretty pretty amazing. Stuff. I love that you just said a lot of that because so many people are so like. Uh, like for lack of better terminology, communist, and uh, and just don't love America. And I, and I love that you oh, just said that. Yeah. I love what you just said, to be honest, man. And I, I'm very – George very Washington was a very mystical person. And let me tell you, he was visited by three angels. Um, and this is, this is documented. Um, there was an Indian chief. See, Washington actually fought for the English before – the you know division between the colonies and England. He was involved in the French-Indian War when he was a young man in his 20s. And every single officer fighting with him in the British Army was shot during a battle except Washington. Uh, and they were all killed. There's only one that lived. I think it was uh, Colonel Braddock or something lived. I'll let you know where Chuck Norris got that name from. Anyhow, the bottom line is um, Washington had all these bullet holes in his coat, in his hat, and he never he never got shot once. Two horses were shot out from underneath him. <clears throat> well, a number of years later, I think it was about 15 years later, when the colonies had separated from England, King George, they told him, Declaration of Independence, we're going to war. Right? Cornwallis came over. Well, that's when this old Indian chief, 15 or 20 years later, said to Washington that, we tried to kill you. He says, I personally shot you three times. And he says, you didn't go down. He says, I saw a great spirit over you that you were protected by. And he said, I knew you were going to bring a great nation to fruition, and which he did. And sure, when man. Washington was in Valley Forge, he was visited by an angel. People can look this up on the internet. It's, it's, uh, he was visited by this special angel that told him, I know you feel like you're going to fail, but you need to go forward. Because in Valley Forge, these people were barefoot. They were out of ammunition. They were barely able to, you know, have food. And they were destitute. You got to remember, England should have kicked the crap out of the colonists. Why? They had 
all the cannon factories. They were trained in warfare and military procedures for hundreds of years. And the colonists were a bunch of ragtag farmers that Washington was trying to make into a, a very, you know, organized army without the structural support of industry behind him. Well, this angel told Washington to, to go forward, that he was going to win. And of course, right after that was this famous story of them crossing the Potomac and they attacked in New York and they won. They, they, called the, they caught the uh, English soldiers flat-footed. They were all drunk and they attacked and they kicked the crap out of them. And we know what happened. We won, right? The, the, the United States won. And they signed in not only the Declaration of Independence, which was the beginning, but also the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, which are profound documents. Washington had two other visitations. He was warned that there would be a civil war that would tear the country apart, which happened, right? Mm -hmm. Lincoln and all that. And he warned about a third one, which might be right now. And I've been talking a lot about this on my YouTube channel, where the United States if you take the birth chart as the signing of the Declaration of Independence, because that's really when this country was born, which is July 4th, 1776. Different astrologers use different times. I use the 510. It's called a Sibley chart, named after a mason named Ebenezer Sibley. He's the one purported to have said he recorded when the church bells started ringing and everybody started dipping their pens into the quills and signing the Declaration. Well, long story short, the United States right now is under some of the most severe attacks. I don't think you need astrology to figure that one out um, that it's ever been under. The United States has a Pluto return happening on it three times throughout 2024. Run that down for you. What's a, what's a Pluto return mean? Well, Pluto is the outermost planet. A lot of astronomers laugh at it. Too. Well, it's not a planet. It's too small. But Pluto has been only discovered for a little over 100 years, right? So Pluto has literally been always tracked backwards now that we've discovered it. And it corresponds with the rise and the falls of nations when it joins a uh -huh. birth chart. Wow. Now that only happens 245 to 250 years. It's really, you know, not too often. It's a long time. So the Roman empire, I went back and checked this, the Roman empire, which was, you know, formed just a little bit BC, I think it was like 70 BC or something. Um, the first Pluto return is when it divided, This, which was right at about 250 years old, not quite, but close. And then the second Pluto return was exactly when it dissolved. The Roman Empire fell. So the United States is having its first Pluto return. And I don't think we need astrology to tell us, not only are they flooding the borders, the UN is flying people all over from all over the world into here. They have, you know, literally promoted crime by no cash bail, defunding the police, and they're also destroying the energy system right now. And everybody thinks it's Biden. Well, I don't think Biden can tie his shoes. Uh, he can't even find his way in and out of the room. You know, it's, over here, Joe, sign here, Joe. So he's the, the bottom guy. line he's, is he's Lee Harvey Oswald of America, man. You know what I mean? Like, like Biden's Lee Harvey Oswald. Man. He's just another patsy. He is. I, I, he, I, he, dude, he's uh, offensive. I feel like I can talk to you for nine more hours. I'll keep the show short, man. If you want to come back on, I would love to have you on. You're brilliant, man. Um, well, but the bottom line is, I want to finish this. Yeah. This country will either not be here after 2024 as we know it, or it's going to be the phoenix rising out of the ashes. I think that. I think I think we're about to hit a That's what I get, too. It's I leaning towards that. 
I think all media is supposed to make us apologize for being American and be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm awesome. And then like, oh, yeah. they go, sorry for creating the modern world, you know. And and, and like, uh, and we're supposed to just be so apologetic, but I think that pendulum's swinging back hard. Like, I think, uh, I, I think everything's being mocked again. But I mean, I'm really worried about globalization more so than I'm worried about America falling. I, I like, I'm worried about like that. Which one is exactly order. what's happening. It's a war between. It's it's a war between the globalists and the nationalists. It's that I think simple. They lose, I think that's simple. I think they're going to lose. To be honest, well, this country certainly seems to have been founded on divine principles. If you go back to that model I showed you before, the evil spirits have always caused a lot of trouble on this planet. They always have, um, and they always will. At least during this time period, it may change here in a couple hundred years where we do get that golden age. But I would tell you that um, they never, they can never fully win because they're incarcerated here and forced to be a part of creation, the arc of birth, growth, maturity, death, uh, atrophy, and death. And and it's very interesting. They can never win. E evils always cause a lot of trouble, but it cannot win. It yeah, it just tests the character of good men. Like all evil only evil just tests our character. That's all it really does. It's a part of this dimensional creation of time, and at least for now. And and there are evidences that um, as we go around the great year, the twenty five or twenty six thousand year cycle, and the Vedas actually talked about a two hundred fifty million year galactic cycle, which is way deeper. Hinduism, uh, Hinduism uh, calls cycles yugas basically. It'll be like we're in Kali yeah. Yuga, the, the, the year of their demon or whatever. So wherever susceptible to drugs and lies and all that. So I mean, this all coincides with what you said and what we're seeing. And like, I mean, I, I mean, all yeah. everyone's just saying in different grunts, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, there, there's a lot of dispute about which yuga we're truly in. There, there's, there's, I've seen a lot of different calculations. There's a possibility we're going to leave a dark rift somewhere in a couple hundred years from now. It may somewhat closely correspond to when the end of the Hebrew calendar hitting 6,000. It may be fairly close to that. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, one thing's for sure, the Mayan calendar, everyone thought, you know, we were going to fly off into love and light. Well, it don't seem like that to me right now. In fact, we're seeing an effort right now to destroy the human spirit. Um, and this is, if they get digital currency, uh, the future of this world is going to become very shut down. They're trying to do things to, you know, again, suppress consciousness and human spirit. They'll never do that. It's, it's never going to happen. Um, they'll cause a lot of trouble to be sure. And I think we're going to see some of that this year, but it also may be a necessary evil to bring us out into this, uh, transformation of the phoenix rising out of the ashes dude we can't end better than that i think man um that was the best dude and if you want to come back on man totally i mean if you want to throw out some links before you get out here, like i would have you on a million times man you're the great guest jeff uh you want to throw out some links or anything for people like feel free before we get out here yeah i mean the best way to get a hold of me is my website it's jeff at jeffharman.com h-a-r-m-a-n and then also sorry my camera keeps shutting off i just turned it back on um and then my my youtube channel like i do a lot of readings for people um i also do a lot of gemstones too i i sell untreated natural gemstones and i set them at good astrological times 
which are really powerful. It's called Vedic Planetary Gemology. You can read about that on my website at jeff at jeffharmon.com. And I also do a lot of readings too, where I do location astrology. I do your Vedic astrology, your whole life path. And it's a lot of fun. And I look at all your, um, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of um, fun and powerful stuff. And, and with Zoom today, people can record the whole session and play it back and you get a really detailed booklet with five sections in it that gives you your location and all your life path and cycles which is a lot of fun and um, awesome man I, like i really, I really appreciate you like uh like coming on here man and, like i uh, i wish i had like nine hours to sit here and like uh pick your brain because like you got, you got a lot of great information man and uh yeah everybody check out jeff's website and his youtube all that and like uh i, I really appreciate your time man that was uh that was great you got episode. it bud thanks for having me on Definitely, man. And like, if you're watching at home, thank you for watching at home. Uh, yeah, thanks check it out watching. tomorrow.